Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich, and I am thrilled to welcome a new friend today to the podcast, Jillian Hankins. Welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so thrilled to have you. Jillian has these beautiful seasonal guides that she puts out for families that includes all sorts of things to slow down, to savor the seasons. And I love how you break them up by months, just giving families ideas. And I think it's an interesting world that we live in when we're swimming in ideas, but sometimes there's so many that you can't even sift through them well, and it takes so much time. And so you've made these beautiful guides for families to sift through and to really implement things that they can cook and play and read and do. And so I would love it if you just tell people about yourself and your path and how you ended up writing these guides and kind of what you do as well. You do a lot. I do. I do. I I like to joke that I'm a a Jane of all trades and a master of none because... (laughs) Oh, but you are a master. You are a master of a lot because these guides are so gorgeous and they're so well thought through and there's so much in them, but also it's pared down to make it really special for that season. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. So I'm Jillian. I am married to my 100% absolute best friend and we have three beautiful wild children. And yeah, we, we did a lot of living before we had kids. I feel like we didn't have children super late, but I was 30 when I had our first. And so I feel like we got to do a lot of really cool stuff and just think about a lot of stuff. You know, when you've got kids running around you, you feel like you can't really think straight and really, I don't know. I felt like we just really refined a lot of the vision that we wanted for our family before we even created our family. And so, yeah, we moved from Florida to Australia. And then we traveled a bunch and just did a lot of really fun stuff. And then decided we wanted to settle somewhere where there were four seasons because both of us had grown up in Florida. And while we love the beach, it's very expensive to live near the beach. And when you live at the beach, you actually don't get to go to the beach very often, which we did when we were just young, poor married kids who had part-time jobs and lived in a 600 square foot apartment. But then we were like, oh, when we start having children, we actually can't really do this anymore. Um, And so we moved to Tennessee and we live in Chattanooga and we love it. And we've been here for eight years now and just really, we've never been roots people, but once we had kids, we, we kind of, we started craving that rooted down. I don't know that feeling of belonging somewhere because we were just nomads. Like I said, we moved a bunch and we, we just went on like cross country road trips whenever we had time off from work and kind of like, Oh, we could live here. That'd be so cool. And then I don't know, you have a child and you, you want to create that feeling of safety and security and consistency for them which was a very unique feeling for me because yeah, after a little big while, change, yeah, you kind of want to change it up and switch it up. So yeah, I kind of talked about, you know, we came from Florida and in Florida, there are no seas. I mean, there are seasons, but they mostly occur through pumpkin spice lattes from Starbucks or mm-hmm. uh, the dollar spot at Target or home goods with all of the seasonal decor. And I just, I was endlessly fascinated with the seasons when I was wow. younger, I think because I was, I'm I'm from the Midwest originally. And your accent always brings me back because I grew up, <laughs> my family has a cabin in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And no so, way. Yeah. And oh, so man, your accent is like, oh, deeper. it just brings me back to just oh, my childhood. So cool. such good childhood memories of spending. We would go to the cabin for a week or two every summer. And it was like heaven on earth for me. I mean, I literally would eat breakfast, go outside. <laughs> I wouldn't come back inside until the fireflies were out. Like it was just so idyllic for me. And it was so exotic for me because it was so different. Like being yeah. outside in Florida, you know, it's just so much different. And I lived in like Southern coastal Florida where it's just humid and hot all year round. And so catching crawdads and chasing the mink around on the shore of the lake and the, our cabin is situated on a peninsula. And so it was basically surrounded by water and we would sleep on a screened in porch and you'd hear the loons all night. And I just, it's the stuff of my dreams. Like I just loved it so, so much. And then we would also go in the winter and build snow forts. And oh, wow. That's brave. There's a lot of snow up there. 
hundred percent was like very rare that we would go and there wouldn't be like six feet of snow. Mm -hmm. So I just loved that. And all of my family lived in Indiana. And so we'd go visit them for, you know, birthdays and weddings. And I remember just in the spring laying in my grandparents' yard and they lived on a lake and beautiful property. And I would just lay in their yard for hours and look for four leaf clovers and watch the bees going from blossom to blossom and the clovers. And my cousin said I was so crazy because they're like, Jillian, let's go play. And I'm like, this is playing. This is amazing. And, um, you know, being able to go blueberry picking and mulberry picking and just all of these things that were so foreign to me and so exciting, but so calming. And I just right. felt like so connected. And I think I've always had this sense of urgency in living of, oh my gosh, we only have so much time. Mm. I need to fit it all in. I need to make sure I do everything I want to do. And I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if that's a personality thing. And I think that's just kind of a human condition anyways, that feeling of wanting to soak all the goodness you can. And I definitely suffer from analysis paralysis where I'm like, there's so many things I want to do. I can't decide what I want to do. So I'm just going to think about it and not do anything, you know, sure. and then you end up feeling so disappointed in yourself and you feel right, like because the time passes. Totally. Like, oh, I didn't do anything. Totally. And then, and, and I think, I don't know, I don't, I, my father passed when I was very young. And so I think I always had this feeling of, oh, you don't live forever. Hmm. Okay. And then growing up, I, I always remember hearing, I do a lot of reading. I'm a voracious reader. And I remember reading Mary Oliver. So tell me what will you do with this one wild and precious life? Reading Annie Dillard, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And it was like, whoa, okay. So these tiny decisions I'm making all day long, that actually is my life. Like all of those things are adding up. And I think it manifested for me as this, like I said, urgency, trying to squeeze it all in. What can I do? These exciting things. I want to get this degree and I want to go study this and I want to travel to this place and have all of these jobs and live all of these lifetimes in one lifetime. And what happened was I didn't end up enjoying any of them because mm. I was constantly looking to the next, the next, the next. I accomplished yeah. this goal. Instead of celebrating that and reveling in that, I was already moving on to the next thing. And it kind of this pace of life was very unfulfilling. And my grandfather has, we call them, they're the grandpa-isms. He has all of these isms that he says. And he's this, you know, salt of the earth, Midwestern guy, bootstraps kind of person. Mm -hmm. And he always said, if you're not happy with your life, it's on you because you have the power wow. to change that. Circumstances are nothing. It's just, you know, you change something if you're not happy. And so I think I, I thought about that a lot growing up. And I thought, why do I feel so unfulfilled? Because I do a lot of people from the outside looking in like, oh my goodness, they do so much and they travel so much and they've done all these things and they look like they're just like living it up. And I was still feeling unsatisfied and anxious and fearful that I'm missing out on something. And I think it was having my first child and being home with him. I decided to stay home with him and thinking, wow, these days are going by really slow. <laughs> I wondered what you were going to say. It really slows you down. Oh my it goodness. It is bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. I felt like I lived 15 lifetimes in like the first two weeks. <laughs> 100%. And you like, you can't do anything, but you also aren't doing anything. You know, like you feel busy, but you're not busy because you can't right. do all these things because you're putting right. a baby down for a nap and the baby falls asleep on you. And you're like, well, now I'm sitting here for an hour. And I, it was the first time I really had to sit still and, mm -hmm. and I couldn't be, you know, I'm that person that's addicted to productivity and to-do lists. And wow. I don't know, it was really it's challenging, very challenging. And I think a lot of people don't talk about that feeling of you almost feel guilty for feeling mm -hmm. bored, being home with your baby, you know, and yeah. babies are kind of boring. They're delightful, but you have to kind of find ways to relish in just like the simple, simple pleasures of life. And I'd never had to do that before because I had time and energy to do all of these exciting things. And then I was home and we were in this wonderful cottage with this huge backyard and this amazing nature filled season place. And that kind of became my entrance into this whole, wow, I can actually not spend any money and not overwork myself. I can just step into our backyard with my, you know, now two-year-old and think, wow, look at that violet that popped. That violet wasn't there yesterday. That means spring's mm. coming. And it was like almost luxurious in this, wow. everywhere you looked, it was like the riches of, of the seasons coming out. And I didn't have to do a thing. All I had to do was notice it. And that was really 
It's like you spent all this time chasing fulfillment. And then when you stopped chasing it and just started to notice, that's when the fulfillment came. Absolutely. Uh, This is so cheesy, but that movie and book Under the Tuscan Sun, and there's the very exotic actress and she just seems so glamorous. And she just says, you spend your life, you know, she was saying in her childhood, she spent all this time searching for ladybugs. She wanted these ladybugs to come and she was looking for them and looking for them. And she searched so hard, she got tired. She fell asleep in the field and she woke up and there were ladybugs all over her. And I kind of felt like, wow, you know, we just have to sit sit still and notice. Yeah. And trust Trust. and trust that it's enough. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things is that it seems like it's not going to be. We've been walking. We have talking about seasons. I actually just posted about this, Jillian. It's middle of January here in Michigan, and this is a season of snow and cold. And so normally we're building forts and snowmen and sledding, and we are freezing things. That's basically what I do all January and February. We freeze things in different bump bands and hang them up and make little muffin frozen things. And it's just been not the right weather. It's so bizarre. So it's been fluctuating. It's cold and it's not. And so nothing will freeze and there's no snow. So you're used to it being one way, but we've just still been out walking and it seems like it should not be enough. It's like dreary and cloudy and kind of ugly. I mean, it's that season where everything's brown and wet, but somehow it's still enough. So yeah, it's an interesting thing to feel like you have to chase it, but instead you kind of have to surrender and trust that our surroundings offer us a lot. I'm curious, a lot of people post Jillian about moving. Like in our Facebook group, they talk about moving. We've never moved. We've Mm -hmm. always lived in Michigan and never moved. But if we were to move, we've always talked that we would move to Tennessee. You know, it's so beautiful there and it's a little bit more mild and there still are Mm -hmm. the seasons. There's so many waterfalls. It's a gorgeous state. But what would you say to someone who is contemplating moving just for the sake of getting more time outside and slowing down a little bit, but they're kind of nervous. Yeah, I think it's, so we moved before we had kids. And I think moving with kids and moving without kids are two very different things. I think if we, I, I know a lot of people live near family. We knew not a soul when we moved to Chattanooga. We were, people are like, why'd you move to Chattanooga? And we're like, well, all of our stuff was in the storage unit and we were on a cross country road trip and we really liked Chattanooga and our list was <laughs> back in Florida. So we just decided to stay. And people are like, okay, that's <laughs> But actually that's really neat though, because you had firsthand experience knowing that you liked the area yeah. and that is what a lot of people I think are asking for. They're basically asking for people's firsthand experience. Is this a great place to raise a family? And so if you had driven through and you knew you had your own experience, then that gives you a lot of direction. Yeah. And I really do think it's all about your intentions. I think if you're moving, what's that saying? Wherever you go, there you are. So if you're moving somewhere because you're feeling like you need this big life change or because you feel like where you live isn't exciting enough, or there's not enough outdoor stuff to do, or there's not the right people there that you feel like you can really connect with. I would say that's probably not true. And I'm preaching to the choir here because I'm always looking to change circumstances to, to shake things up. And I think, again, that comes back to as human beings, we crave change. I think all of us have found ourselves in a place where we're stuck in a rut and we feel just stagnant and we just want to like get our hair cut. People, you know, come they're like, I got bangs. And you're like, you got bangs. Okay. <laughs> That's telling me that you're feeling like you really needed a change, you know? And I think. Right. Cause like a month later, they'll be like, I'm growing out my bangs. <laughs> I, get bangs. I hate having bangs. Exactly. But they feel this, like we almost get itchy. We need something different. I need to change. I need well, hello. That's because we were created for change. And I think what is so unique about the seasons is that they change, but they change on a cycle. And so it's feeding these two desires we have for rhythm and for change. And I think if you're feeling itchy, if you're feeling like you just need this change instead of making, I mean, there's obviously reasons people move for jobs, to be closer to family, to be further away from family, to have lower cost of living. That's one of the things we loved about Tennessee. When we started investigating it, we were like, wow, we can actually yeah, get- especially eight years ago. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> like we joke all the time. We're like, well. We're glad we bought here when we did because we wouldn't yeah. be able to afford it now because we're very like, so we started as minimalists and then we moved to intentional, like intentionalism. And then now we've settled into intentionalists. 
intentionless. Yeah. Where we just are super intentional about our decisions and our choices. And it's Jenny, it's exhausting, but it's so good because you had to think about everything so much, but yeah. So we were able to really think through, okay, we know we want a yard. We wanted to be close to downtown, but also the cool thing about Chattanooga is we're five minutes from downtown, but we're also five minutes from national parks, you know? And so it's really unique in that way, but I know not everyone lives somewhere like that. But what I'd say is just dig, find, I don't, if someone homeschools, if I don't find a wild and, wild and free group it, to make that community, there wasn't one here that we could join. Surprisingly, I think they just weren't open. And so I started one with someone who I just met happenstance and she's now one of my best friends and our wild and free communities, like our family here. And that was, yeah. you know, three or four years ago. And I think if someone would have asked me four years ago, hey, would you move somewhere? I'd be like, yeah, I'm up for anything. But then once we made that community, once we started getting hikes and nature spots that felt like ours, that we had some sense of ownership. Um, Once we started creating traditions that we did monthly, seasonally, it kind of felt like home, you know? And so I think before, if people want to move for a change, I'd say maybe try to seek that change and that connection out somewhere else first, because yeah, yeah, moving is hard and it's expensive and it's scary, but sometimes it's scarier to stay and to try. And I think, I don't know. I think you really have to examine where your, what your intention is and your reasons and your motivation behind that. But if someone's just like, Tennessee seems really cool. I want to move there. Come on over. I mean, (laughs) you know, because, because really I think I'm a person that can overthink decisions. Like I said, analysis paralysis, and then I won't do anything. Sometimes I, I have to train myself to think less, which sounds kind of ridiculous. And I think there are some people that are spontaneous that need to think about things more. And then there are some people that are overly analytical that need to think a little bit less because you can talk yourself into or out of anything, honestly. So I would say just dig into where you're at. Find there is nature everywhere. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com outside120 code outside 120. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com slash outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. I mean, it's true. 
even in cities. It's true. And it's different. I mean, I think even in Florida, we've gone down to Florida a couple of times and not to Southern Florida, like Orlando. So I do think it's different. I'm sure in Southern Florida, it's just hot and hot and hotter. But, you know, even when we've gone down, let's say if we go down in February, because Mm -hmm. in Michigan, we're kind of miserable by February, we'll go down. And then we've gone down in May because we've spoke at conferences and it is different. There is some differences. Different things are open. Different crops are available. Just different types of things at the farmer's markets and things like that. So I like your advice of trying to find the new and the novel. And Mm -hmm. even friendships are novel. When you talk about your wild and free group or whatever your nature group is, those friendships are novel and they add novelty to whatever you're doing Mm because you have different conversations and the kids play differently. And so you try and find it there. But it's neat to hear your story of sort of running around, but then being able to find roots. And I think that will give people some hope and something to think about if they also feel like they're chasing fulfillment and not finding it, not finding it and working really hard that eventually maybe you can find some roots and the rhythms and the seasons and just that sort of day-to-day life can be very grounding and can give you what you're looking for. So you started these guides and they're just so beautiful. Like you have in there to do, to make, to notice, to sing, to Mm -hmm. ponder, to cook, to read. How did you narrow down to those different topics? So this is honestly our family manifesto. This is not something I didn't sit down and just create this out of thin air. This is something we've been living. So my oldest is almost seven. And so honestly, this is something that we've been doing for years now. And I have always been about, so I'm a pragmatist at heart. I am an idealist. I like practical, I like tangible results, but I don't know, there's a bit of the romantic in me as well. And I think that journey I was talking about of, wow, I actually have to be still. I can't be moving all the time since having children. And, you know, I'm sure anybody has seen their kids run around. Can't you just sit still for a second? And then it's like holding a giant mirror up to my face. Like, no wonder they can't sit still because they've never seen me sit still. And so it's almost like a guide for romanticizing life. And so when I think about what you think about people, when seasons come around, they want to watch a movie that makes them feel like the season. Well, all that movie is doing is romanticizing fall. You know, as soon as fall comes like, oh, I've got, I have to watch You've Got Mail or whatever it is, because the leaves are falling and they're drinking their coffees. And he's talking about, don't you love New York in the fall? It always makes me want to buy school supplies, you know? And it's all these things that we think about, but we don't stop and dwell in them and really enjoy them and savor them. We just kind of, it's tucked in there between taking the garbage out and folding the third load of laundry for the day and figuring out what you're going to have for dinner. Yeah. Because things are so busy. Totally. And and so it's really like elevating those simple things and making them as noticeable, as memorable, and as impactful as those necessities, like getting food on the table and having clean laundry and drawers and getting to appointments on time and all of these things. And so what can we add in those moments that kind of romanticizes these everyday ordinary lives? Because we don't live in a movie. I always think in movies, this is my, my husband makes fun of me. I'll watch a movie and I'm like, they haven't eaten breakfast yet. Are they going to eat breakfast? And then it'll be dinner or they'll say, you know, let's meet for lunch at 12 or whatever. And I'm like, they didn't show them eating. Like I'm always concerned that people aren't eating in movies because you're looking for the day-to-day things. I'm looking for the normal. And mm-hmm. I'm like, do you think they, they're in really good shape? Do you think they, they doesn't show them working out? Do you think they work out? Every, like, I don't, and he's like, Jillian, it's a movie. And I'm like, but, and I can't like suspend disbelief long enough to discount those everyday ordinary things, because that is what life is made of, you know? Right. And so how can we do these ordinary everyday things and enjoy them and yeah. also root them in these seasons that are so romantic when you think about it? They're so yeah. life and they're so joyful. And how can we attach meaning to all of these days that seem to just, you know, if you don't look at a calendar for long enough, if you aren't assigning meaning and some sort of seasonal seasonality to things, then it just, you can look up and you're like, whoa, we totally missed spring. Like it just happened and it left. And I didn't do any of those fun. We didn't go strawberry picking. We didn't make strawberry jam together. We didn't, all of these things that I feel like, you know, I grew up reading books that were so seasonal and thinking, oh man, that sounds so nice. And I craved that so much. And I just didn't have that. 
I loved my family, but we did not have rhythms. We didn't have traditions. We didn't, it was just kind of like survival. I mean, we were just like getting through the days, you know, kind of. And I just, I knew I didn't want to live that way when I had kids. And so I think that's the assigning seasonal um, traditions and these memories. And I talk about in the guide that memories are more about the feeling than the result. So if you're going through and thinking we've got strawberry picking, we've got to go, we've got to come home. We've got to make strawberries and whipped cream, you know, and and I say food, I'm, I'm a holistic nutritionist by trade. And so that's what I've trained to do. And I was a nutritionist for years, still I'm a nutritionist. And then I went to culinary school. And so I'm always, wow. Oh, that's really neat. I don't know anybody who's went to culinary school. And that's actually something I've always been interested in is culinary school. There's like a a community college near us that has Mm. a really good program. I think it's kind of hard to get into, but they say it's just phenomenal. And sometimes you can go, they'll have like bake sales and things. So it's always been something that's been intriguing Mm. to me. So uh, I'm pivoting for just one second. What's that like culinary school? Like how long is it? Mm -hmm. What's the program like? So this is actually right after my husband and I got married. We moved to Australia and this is why we moved to Australia because there was a super, still is a super unique chef training program there. Wow. It's called Whole Food Cooking. And it's run by Jude Bluro, who is a rock star. I mean, she is like just, I don't know, basically my whole food philosophy. She's so focused on, you know, the quality of food, but she's all about enjoyment. If you don't enjoy your food, if it doesn't taste delicious, if it's not made with love, if it doesn't bring you fulfillment in the way that it tastes, what's the point, you know? And so it's kind of marrying this whole, which I kind of feel like our food culture is one or the other. You either enjoy it and it tastes so good. It's like nasty good, you know, or it's healthy. And there's like that aesthetic, like, you know, it's it's not very good and it doesn't taste very good. And it's almost like a punishment, like, well, it's healthy, but it's good for me. And it doesn't taste good, but I'm going to do it because I have to. It's like, Hey, what if we marry the two? And so it was just so unique in this school because we got to go to farms. Like one of our units was being on a farm for a week and watching closed loop farming. And then we got to, you know, prepare meals for people, but then it was also learning about basic food preparation and sourcing food and cooking food. And we had this whole, she was writing a baking book while we were there. And so we had like this huge baking and pastry unit, which was just so delightful. I mean, it was just so much fun. And I went into it vegan and thinking food has to be this certain way. Cause I had just finished my nutrition program and I realized I had way more questions than answers after going through as someone who's just suffered a lot of different health problems. And I was always looking for an answer in food and I finished it thinking, well, maybe I can tell people what to eat, but if I can't tell them how to make it taste good, then what's the point, you know, Um, as someone, I've always been a foodie. I mean, I was that kid that was like chasing the Schwann man down the road for fudge sickles. Like, (laughs) please bring me fudge sickles. I just love food. And so you wonder how many nutritionists go to culinary school? Not probably not that many. It's not, but it does actually seem like the perfect pairing. How do you take your training of all these things that you've learned that are good for our bodies and actually do them? Yeah. And that was, I can tell you how much vitamin C is in a blueberry, but if I can't tell you when the blueberry is in season and how to prepare it to make it taste good or give you this vision of how to incorporate that into your life and actually enjoy it, what's the point, you know? And so was really a life-changing experience. It was incredibly grueling. I feel bad because okay. I dragged my husband there. And then I was at school like 12 hours a day. And we were in Perth, Australia. We didn't know a soul. We had just gotten married. And he- oh my goodness, what an adventure. Oh, we didn't have a car. Like, I mean, we didn't even know where we were going to live when we got there. We stayed in a hotel and we we're like, let's find somewhere to stay. Like, it was just totally, wow. and this was 2012, which in my, I'm saying that it doesn't seem like a long time ago. It was like 11, what, 11 years ago now. And, you know, Airbnb and all of these things, like it was not yeah. as global of a world. That sounds silly. Like I remember it being, we had to get different cell phones and we had to like do exchange, like we couldn't use our debit cards and it like everything felt so wow. scary and hard. Whereas now we're like, you can go to a foreign country and it's like technology changes quickly. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so in the seasonal, the seasonal guide, you'll see there's a heavy emphasis on food. Like it's basically a cookbook wrapped up into these seasonal family guides. Cause there's five recipes per month. And these are good recipes. These are like the recipes we eat and there's a dinner recipe for every month and it's all family focused. So it's recipes you can make with your children, but also that your children oh. will enjoy eating. Yeah. Um, 
And so, okay, let's talk through specific. Let's talk through February because this will probably go out and it'll be February ish or be- right before February. And I love how you always have an introduction to the month, and February is like basically February gets a bad rap. Yeah. It's like this 28 days you're trying to slog through, yeah. which is sometimes how we feel in Michigan for sure. And yeah. a lot of times kids are sick and this type of thing, but you have all this magic to add into February. And these are the things that kind of like you said earlier that you really want to do. And if you don't do them, like if you miss strawberry picking, I loved what you said at the beginning, because I'm the same as you. Like I have this sense of urgency. If you miss it, I mean, how many times do you really get to go strawberry picking with little kids when like the strawberry juice is dripping all down their face and arms. It's really only a couple years. You know, I've got a 14 year old, so he's not so interested in strawberry picking anymore. Maybe making like strawberry pie. Yeah. So you you really do. There is a little bit of a sense of urgency that you have a limited window to do these different things. So February, you have all these different ideas of making Valentine's and the pictures are so beautiful and a winter tea party and growing sprouts and picking a kind thing to do, all these different things. And then different things that you can make, crafts. And I love it. There's just so many options in here of things to do, but it's not too much, kind of like we talked about at the beginning. Well, and I say to treat it like a menu, not a checklist. Like oh, I want people I to browse through it and what speaks to you. What is something yeah. that gets you excited to do with your family? Don't yeah. do it just because I said it's something you can do in February. It, it's meant to be used year after year and layered upon and creating yeah. these traditions. And you, know, yeah. you do something with your kids one time that's rooted in a holiday or a season. And the next year they're like, are we going to do that again this year? And you're like, you remember yeah. that from last year, you know? Aww. And so these kids, they're really picking up on these things. But yeah, there's it's very practical, very inexpensive. I'm not mm-hmm. like the paper plate craft mom. I'm like, let's go in the yard. Let's get some sticks and let's get right. some bark and some moss and let's make some with that instead of having all of these things we live in a very small home and i am like clutter phobic so we always say the only thing we hoard is books and food and so <laughs> our shelves are full of books and our kitchen is full of food and other that other than that i don't want things in my house mm-hmm. and so i'm not like the craft person where i'm constantly buying craft supplies and all of that i want to be that person i am not that person because it just yeah. stresses me out and i get all the craft stuff out and the kids are squirting glue everywhere and i'm like okay <laughs> everything's gonna be okay deep breaths mom and again it goes back to that memories are about the feeling not the result. If you're yeah. feeling stressed out and you're snapping at your kids while going strawberry picking, don't take your kids strawberry picking. Find something else that you can do with them that's going to kind of promote that feeling of connectedness and that calm contentedness. And that's really yeah. the feeling you're going for is calmness and contentness and contentment mm-hmm. and contentness. And you know, just kind of that. I don't know. I love, I love how seasonal living, it's kind of this marriage between nostalgia for the past and being rooted in the present moment, but also anticipation for what's to come. And I think that's so healing because I think, you know, people say you're either a past person, you're a future person. Um, And then we're all trying to live in the present, but I think seasonal living kind of lends itself to all of them because you can think, Oh, when I was a kid, fall was my favorite because we used to do this as a family. My mom always made pumpkin muffins or, you know, I loved going to the pumpkin patch and picking up pumpkins and we would carve pumpkins. We'd eat chili afterwards. Um, yeah. I've seen chili in a pumpkin. Oh, That's yeah. That's a cool I've idea, isn't it? Like bake it in the pumpkin. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm so, like I'm that. so practical that I'm like, well, do you eat the pumpkin after? Like, how do you? <laughs> how does that really work? I don't know. Well, yeah. <laughs> but it looks cool. How does it actually play out? And so, yeah, I think there's so much and you're always looking forward. Like we're in winter right now and I'm I'm enjoying it and I'm trying to savor it. But also mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we had a, like you were saying the weird right now. We had like super cold snap, like record lows in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was like spring and kind of like, okay, I feel like this is teasing us a little bit because normally right. we would be getting a couple snowfalls or, you know, um, but still just trying to focus on what are our favorite things to do in the winter and let's squeeze those things into our days. And it kind of doesn't leave room for the maybe undesirable things of winter because you're reveling sure. what you enjoy sure. about it. And so it leaves less time to grumble and to yeah. Complain it definitely about. adds magic. That is for sure. Yeah. And you feel excited about the season that you're in. So in this particular one for February, mm-hmm. and I, what I really love that you said, Jillian, is that you've basically just 
put on paper what you already do. And I think those are the best types of things because we can all try and come up with these ideal things that we would like to do. But the best things that are shared are the ones that people are actually doing and that they are able to do with young kids. I mean, your kids are six and under that they can do year after year too and that still satisfy and grab the attention of multiple ages of kids and the parent as well because we want to have a little bit of that magic too. So in this one, you have the Cozy Cottage Pie, which is amazing Mm -hmm. for February and the Raspberry Thumbprint Cookies Mm -hmm. and all of these different, I mean, things that I've never made and different drinks and things. Is that January? I can't remember. That's uh, that's January. Oh my gosh. These chocolate sour cream donuts, Jenny, they're so good. (laughs) Oh, and you just have a great supply list for the month and for the season. And so each month has these recipes that, like you said, you could do with your kids and these drinks. And since you've been to culinary school, (laughs) I mean, this is really amazing. Like you have these, all of these different types of foods that you can make. And so I love that you include all of it. Like you have the things to ponder and to talk about. I mean, our kids love that. They love to talk about different questions. Do I feel cozy? What what does cozy feel like? Some of these ones I'm picking out from February because it's coming up and it is sometimes a very long month for people depending on where they live. I loved including the ponder section and, and with the reflection questions because I think there's so much about each individual family's culture that defines how we spend our days and our weeks and our months and our seasons and our years. And I think so often we think we don't need to discuss these things because they just are. But I think sometimes we're not always doing what we want to be doing. And I know we keep talking about that, but you really have to stop and reflect and make an intentional choice to actually live your life according to your priorities. Because I think if we don't prioritize our time, somebody else is going to do it for us. And that's happening all the time. I mean, we homeschool, so we don't have a whole lot of people telling us how to spend our time. Yeah, but it changes as your kids get older. And that's the season that we're in, which is that, and it's an interesting thing. This has really been something I've been thinking a lot about this past year is that I don't think that we would be spending any time outside if we didn't already have the habit of doing so. Because as our kids get older, even though we home educate, there's all sorts of opportunities of things that they want to do because their friends are there. And so this is a big shift. And so if we hadn't laid these foundations early on, I think that we would be swept up in the busy and we would be missing all of these moments of connection. And so to take what you've done, a seasonal family guide, and to incorporate it into your family now, and I could do a lot of these things now. My kids would do this stuff. You know, even the older ones, I think it's surprising how much nature, simple nature crafts really do engage all the ages. We've got an, an activity book and people always ask me what age is it for? It's, you know, it's like the 1000 hours outside. We actually have two of them. Yeah. Jillian, because I'm not creative. They actually have the same name. One was like self-published and one was published through DK Publishing, but they're different. They have different activities, but they're these nature activities. And I remember thinking when we first started, like, oh, my kids are going to think these are lame, but they really love them. So I'm looking at the celery, you know, that you can do little you can do little prints out with the end of the yeah, celery in exactly. your guide. I'm like, oh my gosh, my kids would do that. They'd make wrapping paper out of that. They'd wrap up something for their friends with that. But I was surprised. And so people always ask me like, what age is this for? And I always say like three to 103, you know, yeah. except for maybe 16, like maybe when they're 16 and 17, you know, like, it's cool. very, but a very short window where yeah. they're going to be like, no, I, I can drive now, mom, yeah. you know, but then they'll come, they come back to it. And so I've seen that nature and these simple things engage. And so I think that when your kids are young, this is me now as like a gray haired mom reflecting. Yes, I think if you, if you have young children, you want to incorporate these rhythms now because what they're going to do is they're going to sustain you as the kids get older and have these points where you can pull them back into your family, you know, just a little bit because, you know, they're spreading their wings and they're supposed to. They're supposed to leave. They're supposed to get out in the world. And so you want that. But then you also want to have still a little bit, just a little bit of thread that weaves them back into your family unit. And so I love that these different ideas that you could weave in year after year, season after season, month after month, and that they work for, I mean, you could live in Florida and do a ton of these different ideas. 100%. And still have the same feeling. Like what? Because I'm just so, I talk about seasonal living a lot and people will ask, well, what about people who live closer to the equator that don't have those um, marked seasonal changes? And I think there even are still seasonal changes. And I there think are. 
even if nature is not reflecting them as much, the culture will, will reflect them in how they celebrate seasons and, you know, different food choices and different, you know. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 1000 hours. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. Oh, you make them. I think then that's a really special thing yeah. is that where we live, the season guides it, the na- nature guides it. It happens. No, If you don't want winter, you still get winter. You still get snow. You still get cold. And if you're in a spot where you don't get those things, then you as the family unit, you get to create those things. And so actually, I think all the more reason to have a seasonal guide to help you figure that out because it's not happening in the nature around you. You have to sort of make it happen within your own home. Get to build your own family manifesto. Yeah, I love it. I mean, (laughs) DIY. So one of my, you know, someone who I just glean so much wisdom from is Sally Clarkson. And she's talked about how, I mean, she's basically just like the mom or the grandmother that I always wish, you know, that you could, you could just, I think everyone feels that way about her. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, And I think, you know, I just will listen to her podcast when I have a hard day and I'm just like, I just feel like, okay, okay. It's all perspective. You want that perspective poured in that just kind of like sucks you out of that pit that you feel like you're in Mm -hmm. because when you're in it, you feel like it's always going to be like this. If it's always going to be like this, I don't know if I can keep doing this, you know? And then someone like that, who's been there, done that, gone through it. And there's so much fruit from it. I mean, she's just got so much, so much fruit, even with her own kids. I remember I read her book, giving your words. And at the end of it, she goes through and she just talks about how in their home, they did a lot of reading. And I love that you have these really extensive book lists. There's 20 books to choose from, from February. How fun to go through and have these be your sort of seasonal reading. But she talks so much about how there was a lot of words and a lot of talking, a lot of conversation, a lot of walking, a lot of reading. And then at the very end, she goes to each member of their family and they all are so successful. It is bizarre. You've never seen anything like it. It's like, this kid's a playwright and this kid writes music. And all of them had like this sheet of several things, including her husband. They've written X amount of books. And so it was really neat to see the fruit, like you said, of because childhood is long and it's scary because we don't know the outcome. And it is very encouraging to learn from someone who has gone all the way through and said, this is so hard, but this is so worth it. 
it will turn out okay and better than okay. Even Mm -hmm. one thing that she talks about is I think they had a lot of change in her kids early lives. They moved a lot. They changed jobs a lot. But one thing that she talks a lot about is they had these really strong traditions and these really strong seasonal rhythms, really. And she talks about when her kids are old enough to leave home and go to college or whatever it is. And they come back home and they're like, I just want, or they'll talk on the phone. I just want to come home and have you make, you know, this Aww. soup for me and read yes. this book together. And, you know, they had these really beautiful traditions that they would do according to each season. She's a fellow foodie. She always talks. They're very, food mm-hmm. is a very central theme in their home, just like in ours. And I think there's just so much beauty in that. And I think mm-hmm. the kids fly the nest and then they're constantly, they want to return because there's this warm feeling of consistency and safety. And they know, they know what they're returning to. There's something about it. They know that when I go home in February, when I return home for spring break, this might be what's happening in March or April or all of these different things. It gives them that foundation. And so what you're doing is so beautiful. Can you tell us, Jillian, a little bit more about what's available and where people can find it? Yes. So, so far, this is kind of a year long project for me. And so, so far I've created the autumn family seasonal family guide and the winter seasonal family guide, and they're both available on my website. They're $47, which I wanted to make them very accessible. And I kind of have this rule. I wouldn't charge more for something than I would want to pay myself. Mm. Um, We are a single family. Jillian Margaret Wellness is our family business. And so we, we don't have lots of money to spend to just drop on different curriculums and all of that. So we wanted to make it very accessible for people. And so we've got those two so far on the website and the spring one will be coming in March and the summer one will be coming in June. Mm -hmm. And so so are you in the middle right now of writing those? I am writing. So I'm outlining the spring right now. And I am just, I'm a feeler. It's so hard for me. You know, I read all of these habits of artists and people who writers, and they're just like, I woke up every morning at 5am and I wrote whether or not I felt inspired. I can't do that because I can sit there for an hour and I can write, but then I'm going to have to delete everything because (laughs) I don't feel it. If I don't feel inspired, it's just going to fall flat. So I'm outlining the spring guide right now. And honestly, the warmer weather is helping me because I really have to feel it. But also there's, like I said, this is just what we've been doing for the last seven years. And so yeah. there's some things that it's just kind of like, well, what do we do in the spring? Okay. This, 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 that. Yeah. And I think for the longest time I resisted writing these because I thought, well, anybody can Google spring activities. Anyone can just go. Yeah, on but that's the difference. It's about the ones that actually work. The ones that actually work. And actually and evoke those need- feelings. Yes, exactly. And sometimes we need boundaries. You know, you go on Instagram or Pinterest, it's inspiration overload. And you're just like, oh, these are all so great, but yeah. I can't, okay, I'm not, I'm just a scroll for an hour and then you go right. to And so I have our guides printed out. I use them. Yeah. I take them out when I plan my week with my kids and I flip through the handicrafts or through the activities or, you know, we, my kids are still young enough that we do, you know, circle time together for school. And so I'm picking out these seasonal songs and hand rhymes to learn now. And we don't sit down and do circle time together. We just kind of weave them in our days because with three kids, circle time kind of feels silly. <laughs> um, but well, we yeah, you got to make it your own. I mean, I think that's the point. Yeah. We never did circle time. We try and do read alouds and everyone is just cracking jokes the whole time. And it's just how it is in our family. It's kind Mm -hmm. of maddening, but that's just how it goes. And that's your thing. And I think that's so fun, but also so maddening about creating a family culture is that you have this vision. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just doesn't fit reality. Oh, sure. But then you kind of, if you kind of keep going and you persevere, you find a way that it melds into your family yeah. and it's even more beautiful than if you tried to force this vision. Yeah, it becomes your own thing. Exactly. So um, yeah, I use them to plan because I don't, I get, like I said, I just get this analysis paralysis. So when I sit down to plan our weeks loosely, I'll flip through the guide and I'll be like, oh yeah, we should make those. And it re- it's like a reminder. Yeah. Of, it doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be, I'm all about simplicity. That is like my calling card because um, I'm a very anxious, (laughs) overthinking kind of person. And so I need simple. Otherwise I kind of will work myself up. Well, it's really neat. Like you've made the changes. And Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people are looking for someone to follow that has made the changes that they want to make. You've made the changes of being able to slow down and you've made the changes of being an intentionalist and you've made these different changes of seeking fulfillment and then 
being able to find fulfillment and all these things. And so, and especially in a season of really busy when you have little kids at home. So this is a message of hope for families that we can find what we're looking for in these simple things. And like I said way earlier, I think the best things online are the ones that people are actually doing. I mean, that's what our thing is. It's just, this isn't anything that we created for Instagram or anything else. This is, this is the way that we were living. It was pre-Instagram and it worked for us and it answered a lot of our family problems and sort of the modern parenting issues. So then you're just basically sharing what works for you. And I think that when you do that, people can glean and pick from a lot of it and it's going to work for them too. It might look a little bit different, but it are, you already know it works. Exactly. And it doesn't get much more simple than spend a thousand hours outside. Like Right. Right. And that looks so different from yeah, family to family. Yeah. Okay. Then it's being intentional about you have to get an average of three hours a day. And then. Right. right. And if for some families, they're going to say, look, we're going to camp in the summer. We're going to spend 800. We're not even going to go for a thousand. We're going to do these different things. And it looks different from family to family. But the concept of it works and answers the problem of how do we deal with screen time and answers the problem of how do we live in the present? It just answers a lot of different problems, but it is birthed out of our own experience, not out of some ideal way of living or something that sounds cool. It's like, this is exactly how we've been living for over a decade. And so for yours, it's the same thing. It's like, these are the things that we're already doing. These work for our family. If I have this list of 12 to 15 ideas and I do a handful of them, it feels like March. It feels like February. If I cook this meal a time or two that month, it really adds these roots to our family culture. And so it's so beautiful. Okay. So Jillian, where can people find them? Tell us your website. So my website is JillianMargaretWellness.com. And that's also my Instagram handle is JillianMargaretWellness. And that's mostly where I wish I was a blogger, but I just can't see. Well, your website kind of looks like a blog. I mean, because it's got, it has a lot of information on there and you have a lot of freebies and a lot of things about slow living and it's a beautiful website. So I would not sell yourself short there. The website is beautiful and you offer a lot. You even have sourdough. Tell us about that. Yes. So my, um, Kind of, and people, okay. So I don't know if you feel like this. When you create something, people think, oh, she must be really good at this thing. And that's why this is her thing. No, no, I'm not actually. These things don't come (laughs) naturally to me. And that's why I have to be so intentional about these things. And I don't know if you feel like that. Because, well, yes, I don't like to go outside. It's so funny. Yeah, people think you really love to go outside. And I'm like, no, no, I really love to stay inside. And that's why. (laughs) Yes, exactly. 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 So I, when I was in culinary school, I did sourdough and it was so hard for me. And I just over, I just overthought everything and I made it way harder than it needed to be. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And I just didn't do it anymore. So for like seven years, I was just either buying sourdough or we were gluten-free or whatever it was. What, what was hard about it for you? It's just, I think people make it sound so scary and complicated. Yeah, and it's I agree like, with you. The, the timing, timing, the migration, <laughs> and like the vocabulary is overwhelming. I mean, when someone's like, well, the auto lies and then this, this, that, and you're like, I already yep. don't know what you're talking about. So I'm just going to check out and be like, put that in the too hard category. Basically, it's too complicated. I've already got enough things I'm keeping alive. I don't have to, I don't have time That's to keep right. it starting alive, you know, whatever it is. So um, I was buying this really expensive, like artisan local sourdough. It was like $10 a loaf. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, my kids were old enough to eat what I ate, then I was realizing we were going through a loaf a day and I could not sustain that. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's a lot of money on like, bread. <laughs> yeah. We really like bread in this house. And um, we just like carbs in general or just, yeah, we like them a lot. And so we kind of came to that point where we, we really prioritize food in our budget. It's basically what we spend all of our money on and which we love food and books. And um, I was kind of like, you know what? It's flour and water. How scary can this be? And so I really challenged myself and said, we're not buying bread anymore. We're not buying any baked goods. The only baked goods we eat or anything with flour are ones that we make besides pasta. Pasta is the only thing that we buy that has flour in it. And it took me about a year to not have to talk myself down from a ledge every time. Cause I was just so scared. I was going to mess it up. Or I was like, well, I, okay. If I start it at this time, then I'm going to be able to bake it. And it was like the sourdough yeah. math that I was always having to <laughs> think about. And it's I was the thing. Like, I hear my friends talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's like that. It's kind of like when you try to teach your child math and you're like trying to teach them 
it and you're like, it just is. And you mm-hmm. just kind of have to get it. And sourdough is kind of like that. There's a couple mm-hmm. keys to learn and internalize. Once those click, you've got it. And like, you don't even have to think about it anymore. Wow. And so I was just talking to friends about it and they were asking my recipe and okay, but how much you feed your starter? When do you, and I was kind of like, well, kind of whatever you like want, like you just kind of have to figure out what works for you. And they're just kind of like, okay, that's totally different than everything I've ever read and saw. And so I created this course called simple sourdough. It's an online course. And so it's all videos. And I think that was kind of necessary because seeing someone do something is way different than having them tell you how to do it yeah, or reading about it or reading about it. We were like, yeah. okay, but is it supposed to look like this? Is it supposed to be this hard to stir? Is it, you know, just all yeah. of these physical, tangible things that kind of make you feel like you're messing up. So I made this video course and I loved it. And I have such good feelings about it because I started writing it when my third child was in utero. So I was extremely pregnant filming these things and feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm like eight months pregnant on, you know, nobody wants to be I filmed. I love that. Sure. Pregnant. But it is really special. Yep. And then she came unexpectedly early. And so I was still writing the course and finishing up when she was nursing and, um, released it right after she was born. And so it feels very special, but it's basically just simplifies the whole process of sourdough and kind of like everything I do, everything is very simple. It's about slowing down, not overthinking things, just don't overcomplicate it. And it's going to turn out okay. You know, it's kind of like that when people panic and that should we be eating strawberries or blueberries? And I'm like, yes, eat both. (laughs) Eat blueberries. You like better. You know, and I think we overthink everything. Yeah. So I also have that sourdough course and I've got lots of fun projects coming this year, which yeah. is very so People exciting. should sign up for your newsletter so that they don't miss out. Yes, and it's absolutely. easy to find right on your website, JillianMargaretWellness.com. Yep. And then yep. you're on Instagram at JillianMargaretWellness. You're easy to find. Yep. Lots of encouraging things there. And now is the time. It's the beginning mm-hmm. of the year. So this is a great time to dive in and to start to add these rhythms and traditions that you can come back to year after year. Like you said you have your own guides printed out for your own family that you use in your own household that you come back to year after year and weave in these foundational moments so Jillian you're doing such awesome things I'm so glad that you came and share with us today we always end our podcast with a favorite you already talked quite a bit about it I'm hoping that you can add to it a favorite outdoor childhood memory of yours 100% 100% going to the cabin and the youper. Mm-hmm. Sleeping. Youper, it's spelled Y-O-O-P-E-R, youper. It stands people that live in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And I, I don't know if it's a word that's used anywhere else in the world. I'm not sure. They call themselves youpers. The word, that's how it's spelled, that's Y-O-O-P-E-R. Right. And people want to go to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan in the mm-hmm. summer. It is absolutely stunningly There's gorgeous up there. I like it. There's not the loom. I mean, and I just, it was just everything thing that I wanted. It just was balm for my anxious child soul. And it just, it filled me up so much. And I looked forward to it so much every single year, but yeah, it was about laying in bed and hearing the loons. And it was about, you know, waking up and slapping the mosquitoes and the horse flies and itching the bug bites and, you know, seeing who could catch the most crawdads and, you know, just swimming. And we had canoes and boats and water skis. And it was just so special. And there's just something, it was, such a unique feeling that I had when I was there. And it was just this feeling of being instead of doing. And it was just like letting it wash over you and not feeling like there was no one where we had to be. There was nothing we had to do. And everyone was just enjoying. My grandma was revolutionary at this time and she had a very firm, no electronics rule. And so when I was a child, there wasn't real, like internet wasn't really a thing yet. It wasn't, you know, people didn't have smartphones people didn't have cell phones, you know? Um, And it's so weird to think about. But there were electronics. Like I remember as a kid having like these little handheld games. Yes. I would say they looked nothing like what they look like now. Yeah, but there was Game Boy, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, but there was yeah. no TVs. There was no like nothing. And so wow. like, she knew. She knew. It was playing Yahtzee. It was playing, you know, Monopoly wow. and Uno and... I don't know. I just, and everything was outside. And so I can't separate memories of spending time at the cabin with my family from what was happening outside in nature at the time. Um, What a grandma. Oh, she was. What a legacy. Yeah. You can see it weaving now down to your children. That's really special. 
Absolutely. That, and that's my favorite thing. I, I pray that my kids, when they get older, look back at their childhood and appreciate it so much that they want to create those same traditions with their yeah. families. Yeah. Well, I did this growing up and I want to do this with my kids. It's, it's like the biggest so honor, isn't it? I love yeah. that. Well, Jillian, thank you so much. This has been an absolute delight. And I'm so excited to incorporate the seasonal guides into our household. I'll let you know how it goes with teenagers. Um, yes. But it's, it is really a neat thing to be able to have those things to draw from and to not have to frantically search. I mean, Pinterest has changed. Pinterest was really different when we talk about just a 10-year change, like when our our oldest kids were younger. Pinterest, now it's, I mean, they're trying to make money off of it. So it really guides you towards certain things and sometimes not the things that you're really looking for. And so uh, what you're doing is so important. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me so much, Jenny. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Bree. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Bree, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.